Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Tripe Supper, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. And as usual, joined by Dom and Craig Johns. And first off, just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in last week. We did have a belter week with the viewing or the listening figure. So we're very proud of that. And we just want to say thank you uh, for helping us along on this new journey, this new relaunch. And just to remember to please share it with your brother supporting friends and family and help us get that name out there a bit further. Lads, it was a, a good weekend for Middlesbrough. We'll start with you, Craig. Uh, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-1. How would you sum up the performance? Yeah, it was a, it was a good day. It was a good Saturday. I mean, obviously, um, nothing on the result as such. You know, the season we know is, is, is pretty much over in terms of, you know, what they're going to do this season, apart from obviously Warnock's kind of pride in wanting the team to finish in the top 10 this season. But uh, nevertheless, I think they're uh, are showing that the, the, you know, the players that are available and are still there, uh, do want to fight for the place and um, and, and are willing to kind of, uh, you know, continue battling. They haven't headed to the beaches early or anything like that. And of course, I think, you know, someone like Neil Warnock, who's, who's kind of suffered relegation in the past where he's felt, you know, other teams haven't played strong teams against opposition. I'm, I'm thinking about when he was at Sheffield United and of course suffered relegation from the Premier League when Manchester United played a weakened team at West Ham. Um, so of course I think for Warnock he wanted to, to ensure that Borough kind of you know did their bit in in in, in not surrendering to anybody, shall we say, who are in the, the relegation battle. Because, of course, that defeat for Sheffield Wednesday on, on Saturday was, was crushing for their chances. And uh, I'm sure as much as he didn't really want to make it a story, I'm sure deep down there was a, a little bit of, of kind of pride from Warnock that, uh, that he did beat Sheffield Wednesday. We mentioned in the last episode, Dom, about players stepping up and proving themselves, whether that be the youngsters or whether that be the, the lone men such as Balassi, for him to get a goal and an assist, good performance from him? Yeah, I thought I thought Balassi was the standout player by far on, on Saturday. Um, even in the first half, it was a strange old first half because um, it, it was desperately lacking in quality, but it, but it was strangely entertaining, I thought. It was, it was end-to-end and, and Balassi was the, was the standout player. Um, I think that's three goals and three assists now in nine games, and and he is getting better by the week. And I think my, my takeaway from uh, that on Saturday was seeing what we're seeing now from Balassi. Um, imagine what he'd be capable of if he had a full pre-season, a full pre-season, because really the last two or three years has just been a story of uncertainty for Balassi. He's, he's, he's not been able to settle. Well, he, he has been able to settle at clubs, but he's gone there on short-term. Uh, on short-term stays, not knowing whether it's permanent. Um, I think whoever gets Balassi in the summer, hopefully Borough, uh, there's every chance we'll see the best of him because he's certainly fit and sharp and hungry. Um, you know, he's 31 now, Balassi, isn't he? And, and, and you know, let's be honest, he's made he's made his money from the game, but he, he doesn't look to be lacking hunger or desire. Um, and I just think, you know, if, 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 if Borough were to sign him, 
to get a full pre-season out of him. From what we've seen, you know, he's, he's capable of absolutely ripping the championship bit. Yeah, we've, uh, we've obviously mentioned this as well previously, haven't we, Dom? And think, you know, like with the fans not being in this season as well, I mean, Balassi, he, he is such an entertainer. He's, uh, when he plays football, he plays it with a smile and he's, face and he, he plays it like he's still that kid on the street you know doing the tricks and stepping over the ball and doing the sweep on the floor with his hand it's it is it's really fun to watch and uh it's such a shame that unfortunately borough fans are having to watch him you know at home on these on these streams and, and not watching in person because uh you know you want to be there and you want to be seeing somebody like Balassi in person because it is it's so fun to watch and I think as as Dom mentioned there you know I mean next season if he if he did sign again for Burr and he uh, he had a pre season you know because for any player that's that's where you build your season from you know that you lay your foundations you build your fitness from from pre season and of course with his situation at Everton he he never got a chance to do that and that's why it unfortunately took a little while for him to get fully into his stride. But um, but yeah, I think for me, you know, we talk about kind of like loan players and players out of contract at Burr and, and you have that kind of issue sometimes of like, oh, we, you know, particularly with loan players, are they going to really care once it gets to this stage in particular and there's not much to play for? But I think it's really pleasing to see players like Balassi, like Cabano, they are on loan, but it's quite clear that they are, you know, they're wanting to work hard. It's not just Balassi's entertainment side. He's working hard for the team as well. That uh, is really pleasing to see. Dom, is there a, a risk, though, that Balassi ends the season really well? You know, he did so against Chef Wednesday there. That he ends up playing his way into the plans of another team, say, and Norwich that go perhaps I know he doesn't necessarily fit into the style of play there at Norwich, but you know that or even Watford for example, who are set to be after Jacob Murphy up at Newcastle now, both wingers, both attacking players, is there a risk? Because if a Premier League club comes in for him, does he stay at Borough? Do you think? Does it has Warnock worked his magic on him? I suppose there's always that risk. I mean, Warnock said didn't he on Friday that he he doesn't think Balassi will get a Premier League club. Um, uh, he, he thinks it's the championship or abroad, basically. Now, um, the, you know, the, the might, as you say, a club coming up might, or there might be a club at the bottom half who think, you know, is it is he worth a year or two? Um, but but I, I don't know whether he's done quite enough for that. Um, although he's certainly shown that he can that he can do it in the Premier League in the past. And I remember uh, at the start of this season when he was talking about his future after his after the move to Borough fell through in the summer. Um, he was talking then about his desire to still play in the Premier League, wasn't he? So he, he clearly believes he belongs at that level. Um, and, and the evidence of his, of his career backs that up. I think the thing is, after after, after 20 years, um, you know, it didn't go to plan for him at Everton through absolutely no fault of his own. That, that injury, um, you know, by all accounts, he'd started really well after his move from Crystal Palace and obviously that derailed him. Um, but, but he's had a few years kind of stop-start since then. Um, and he and he does look to be really enjoying his football, um, and he, he knows Warnock absolutely inside out. He's played for him previously. Um, Warnock knows him, trusts him. Um, so, so I think from that from that point of view, uh, it, it, it's certainly a nice fit. Um, and we know that Warnock wants needs that type of player in the summer. Um, I mean, obviously the, the finances. We don't know whether that's going to be a stumbling block. He's He's obviously not going to be able to earn anywhere near what he was earning in Everton 
Um, but then, you know, he's, he's not going to get that anywhere unless there's a lucrative move abroad. You know, he went to Everton as a £25 million pound winger. Um, so obviously things have changed since then. Um, but, I, but I do think, I do think Borough and Warnock, uh, you know, those finances aside, just purely on football terms, I, th- I think they have a good a good case to sell um, because it's a loan that's gone well. The lassies clearly enjoyed it. I think he's only going to get better. And I think he'll see that Borough are only going to get better next year and, and he might well want a piece of that. I just want to ask you on Blassie, and this is something I was going to talk about later in the, in the episode. With the, we've got a discussion point on on the youngsters breaking through within the next six to twelve months. How easy though is it to sell the future at Middlesbrough if Warnock looks set to leave at the end of next season? I just like if you're selling. I know Blassie's thirty one, so maybe long term is probably what two years for him, maybe three at a push. But how easy is it? to sell that long-term dream of Middlesbrough Football Club if the impression everyone has got that the manager won't be in charge through his own choice, maybe in a year's time? Well, I, I think that depends uh, basically on what kind of uh, you know offer you, you give to Balassi. Perhaps you only you know he'll only accept a one-year contract, maybe you know for as long as Warnock's there, and and maybe you 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 kind of incentivize that with with. Um, with options to extend further, perhaps, or, or you know, I think the easy sell for me is that it's it's quite obvious that you know Neil Warnock's goal is to get Middlesbrough promote, promoted next season, um, and and whether you know he's there or not after that promotion, um, is 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 almost by the by because as Dom says, Palassi still has those kind of hopes to be a Premier League player. So, you know, it, if you're Warnock, you, you're saying come with me, you'll enjoy it here. We'll we'll get promoted next season. Um, you then give him Balassi, you know, a chance to to work his way back to the Premier League if you like. So I think that to me is the the obvious sell. And and Balassi, given that he knows Warnock, you know, we all know what Warnock's capable of. Um, I think that's such a such an easy sell, really. I think the thing as well is, um, you know, when how many how many signings have we heard say? Uh, not not just under Warnock, but in years gone by, of when when they get to Rockcliffe and when they see uh, the the facilities there, you know, it's all set up. It's all set up to succeed. Um, you know, you I know, I know there was a, I know it was a difficult year last year for for a variety of um, circumstances. But when you look at recent seasons, this this really is is very strange for Borough to be in a position where they're playing for nothing at this at this uh, stage of the season. In previous seasons. Last season aside, when obviously it turned into a relegation battle, Borough have been in the mix for the top six or the top two. Um, so obviously, you know, signings that have come in the last year have all talked about Warnock as a as a selling point about how you know what you're going to get from him. His record is unrivaled. Um, you know, you're going to be in the mix. But even even Warnock aside, Borough, Borough as a club have got an awful lot going going for them and, and always have done. Um, you know, you only have to look at and 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 the the reasons for for various players signings has various signings coming to Borough has changed over the years. Obviously, um, in years gone by, it'll have it'll have been financial when Borough were paying what other clubs weren't uh, and managing to attract some some incredible players and names. Um, but even now, uh, you know, when 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 the the finances have, have obviously levelled out a lot and and especially they've, they've had to win the championship. Um, Borough still has an awful lot going for it. So so I think Balassi will have seen in his time at the club that um, 
it's you know it, everything's there to succeed really yeah i think i think that's a really good point from dom there's the uh you know the adulation of the fans i think that's something that balassi is desperate to, to feel somewhere isn't it like find a home and, and get that adulation i think that's definitely something but i mean just another point on warnock as well i mean you know we talked about the risk and, and the fact that the long term because warnock only does have another year but you know i mean realistically now in, in the game Yannick Balassi could go and sign for another club and and the manager he signs for could be sacked in two or three months' time. The way that the game is now, there's there's very little kind of long-term in terms of uh, of managers. So with anywhere he signs, there'd be that risk that the manager he signs for isn't there a couple of months down the line. If anything, Warnock might be a bit more kind of stable than, than, than most because the chances are he's going to at least see out the full season. I'd be very surprised if Warnock was sacked next season before the end of, of the season you know what I mean it, it might be if the season doesn't go to plan that at the end of the season they both agree to, to kind of you know go go in opposite directions but uh, I'd be very surprised next season if uh, if Warnock was was sacked I think uh, you probably guaranteed at least next season uh, with Warnock which you might not be at other clubs no, fingers crossed. Um, well, fingers crossed. He achieves promotion in the Premier League, isn't it? And that'd be some way to go out. And I, I do think if that happened, there might be a question in his head whether he continues or not. But that is a podcast for a year away. Um, the other score was then on. Uh, was it a Saturday? Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, we had. We'll start with Watmore first off. Uh, Warnick was full of praise for him. Said he was going to take him off because he was looking knackered. Then he ended up getting the goal. How how do you sum up his performance? He's had a he's had a, a decent decent season, would you say? Yeah, he's he's been he's had a brilliant season as what one. It's it's been uh, you know like absolutely delightful to watch. Uh, having followed Watmore's career quite closely, obviously covering Sunderland before before this could get the get the Gazette. Um, you know what was such a nice lad off the pitch as well and he, he had such a difficult few years at Sunderland with the injuries so for him to come into Middlesbrough like he has as Warner pointed out you know for three weeks he was he was training without getting a wage uh, while he was on trial at the club and, and Warner got to keep telling him I, I can't sign you yet but you know keep going and we will and, and he did to his credit he stayed he got that short-term contract he, he you know he had start and by the time that first contract was due to run out in January there were clubs offering more money elsewhere but but what more had enjoyed it so much and um and decided to stay at Borough where he was enjoying it and and it was interesting that uh, when talking about Balassi one kind of used the example of what more and the enjoyment that he's had um in in like as that's the, the 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 hope is that he follows that example of Duncan Watmore and and kind of Balassi sees you know the bigger picture of enjoying it so much at Borough, and therefore decides to stay. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know he's, he's he got his goal. Uh, one, it was going to take him off, and you know the one thing you know you're always going to get from Duncan Watmore is effort. He he, he will run and run and run. Um, and you know, and Saturday was the the kind of typical example of a game where. It, it was a tough game for him because, uh, as Don mentioned, there was quality lacking in the game overall. And Borough, Borough was struggling. Duncan's always going to be the type of player who, who, who enjoys kind of, you know, Borough playing balls into the channels and he'll run after them because he's, he's, he has got brilliant pace. And uh, there was a few times, particularly down the left-hand side, Mark Bowler and Marvin Johnson were kind of trying to play those balls 
in behind down the left channel. But uh, the quality was just lacking on Saturday. They, they weren't getting them through. They weren't getting them past the uh, the, the last defender. Uh, and so he was free, feeding off scraps, really, was what more, as was, as was Tuba Akpon. Um, but nevertheless, you know, he, he never gave up. He never stopped going. He never not, he never stopped trying to be a nuisance. And uh, and as Warnock said, it was uh, it was nice for him to then to then get a goal at the end of it just to justify that hard work. I, I think I think the whole want more stories um, just brilliant. I, you know, I, I think that a lot a lot of pluses have come from this season. I think of Paddy McNair's excellence. Um, it's been a real breakthrough season for for Marcus Tavernier, who, who stepped forward and up as, as I hoped he would. And Dale Fry has looked like the defender that we we thought he was for, for the last three or four years. Um, I mean, what more, given what had gone on in the last couple of years at Sunderland and all that injury war and his struggles last season, um, and he's going to go to India or Australia, uh, which, you know, let's be honest, at that stage of his career is, is, a, is, a, is a backward step. Um, you know, it's not semi-retirement, that's probably too harsh, but it's kind of, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? Certainly. Um, and, and I think he's shown that he, he's better than that. I remember... Um, speaking to, to those around him at the time when when uh, Borough were, were when he was training at Borough and there was League One clubs interested, but what more felt that he, you know he still had a lot to offer at Championship, and you can absolutely see why. I do think he's one of those players as well who who probably um, looks better or plays better, gets the best out of him when he when he's at a higher level and when he's got better players around him. Um, but you know when you look back to when he came to Borough on trial and and. You know, Neil Warnock admitted that he was way off in the first week, and I think Kevin Blackwell had, had said to, um, to to Warnock that you know it, it's not there, and Warnock just trusted his judgment really and said, you know, let's hold off. And and obviously when Watmore got up to got up to um, speed a bit more, and then and then made an impact. But I think even then, no one could really have predicted the the season he's had. It's it's probably you know a compliment to Watmore and a. a, a damning indictment of the centre forwards really that having arrived in November whenever he did uh, he's, he's comfortably the top scorer um, but, but I think when you look for next season uh, however that forward line shaped up you know I think Watmore has to be part of it because his energy his positivity um, and, and as Craig alluded to there that Warnock's talked about it's everything off the pitch as well it, it, he's, Warnock just said a few times I just can't criticise him at all um, I, th- I think he's undoubtedly been Warnock's best signing, um, and hopefully, you know, it just shows that if you're shrewd in the in the free agent market, you can you can be really successful, and, and perhaps that might be a sign of things to come in the summer. We're going to talk about the strikers towards the ends of the show, and we'll just mention the the other goal scorer, Coburn, and that leads us on to the next topic, as I mentioned earlier, about these youngsters kind of breaking through you've got Warner kind of hitting that over the next year or so you'll you'll see five or six um do we have an idea who, who, who those are there's there's been a few kind of hints over the course of the season um who, who some of them might be I mean we know we've got uh Saul Brin the goalkeeper who he's hoping to kind of give an opportunity to in the next couple of games obviously as we've mentioned Josh Coburn and, and Connor Malley who have done uh really well in, in the two recent games and Hayden Hackney's been there or thereabouts as well. There's then names like uh, who he's got on the bench now. There's young Robinson. I think he's a centre-back. I think centre-back he looks there. Uh, he's looked all right when I've seen him in the under-23s and 
Williams Kakolo, who's a, a left back. Actually, I say Williams because uh, he was also at Sunderland before he ended up at Middlesbrough. And uh, he's a he's a young French left back, and he's he's registered as Williams Kakolo, Williams with an S on the end. He's he's always been registered that way, even as at Sunderland. But by all accounts, he's actually called William, uh, and it's just a passport mistake. Uh, and and so he has to be registered as Williams. That's so I've been told that's a that's a strange one. But anyway, yeah, he's uh, he's quite an exciting left back talent that the club have uh, have got. And then um Warnock has also alluded to um to the young uh, right back Dodds. Uh, he's seen him a couple of times, he likes him. And then of course there's some good there's some good forwards as well. You know, Sam Florence had uh, had some time in the first team and there's uh there's Isaiah Jones who's been out on loan and and, and really doing well at Queen of the South. There's uh there is some really exciting under-23 players. I quite like the look of Isaac Fletcher, central midfielder. He's probably still a couple of years off yet. He's probably not one of the ones Warnock's thinking about. But every time I've seen him play for the under-23s, he's impressed me. A big, tall uh, central midfielder is Isaac Fletcher. So, you know, it's, it's no surprise that, you know... The, the, the club are looking excitedly at the academy and at the under 23s and under 18s going further down into the under 18 uh, yeah 18s there's uh, there's there's Callum Kavanagh there who's uh, he's been banging the balls in for the under 18s so you know in a, a few years he's another exciting name to watch out for uh, and, and you know I mean we've spoken in, in recent podcasts about the club's finances and things like that and uh, and how difficult times are for the club at the minute but for what is ultimately quite a little investment, I think it's roughly about two point five million a year to run Middlesbrough's academy, possibly a little bit more than that. But then, when you've got all these kind of talents coming through, you know the 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 kind of the area Teesside is an area, and 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 the boys that you know Middlesbrough are able to produce within that academy, it's probably the club's one saving grace and the and the one uh, you know kind of thing that we can get excited about in terms of the club being in stable footing because the academy seems to be really looking after itself and, and can look after the club's finances in that way as well. So, uh, so yeah, some really exciting players, I think, uh, below the first team. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see with what to see what Warnock does with a few of them in the summer. There's Nathan Wood, who's obviously at Crewe, and um, Wood's had a, not, 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 not an up and down time at Crewe, but he, he's been out the team a couple of times and um, the manager there, David Artell, has, has talked him up a few times and said it's absolutely clear what he's going to go on and achieve. And, you know, everyone, who's, everyone who you speak to about Woods talks of the, the absolute talent and potential there. Um, it'll be interesting to see when he comes back and, and, and Warnock has a look at him, whether Warnock decides whether to send him out on loan again or, or, or if he's ready. Um, same with someone like Isaiah Jones, Steve Walker's another who's out on loan. It's been a frustrating season for Walker, really, because he played a lot of football at MK Dons, but most of it was as a substitute in the first half of the season. And Borough obviously made the decision to send him to Crew, where he'd been previously in January. Um, but again, there he's he struggled to nail down a spot as a starter. So he's, he's played a lot of football out on loan of, over a few years, Walker. Um, but it, but the moves just haven't quite taken off for him as he as he'd have hoped because there's no doubt he's a you know he's a talented lad with an eye for goal, a really bright centre forward. Um, so that'll be an interesting one as well. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go out again. Um, as for those who we've seen <clears throat> in the last few weeks, Conor Malley and Josh Coburn, Warnock hindered, didn't he, that he might well decide to keep Coburn at Borough in the first half of next season and just kind of 
um, continue his progression and development under the watchful eye of the coaches who've, who've obviously nurtured him through to this point. And Conor Malley, Neil Madison on BBC Tees has said a few times in the last couple of weeks of how he thinks Malley is, is, is the best midfielder at the club on the ball, despite the fact he's only 21 and he's barely played any football. Um, you, you can't really, can't talk him up enough. And he believes that Mali would actually be better suited to playing championship football than going out on loan. And, you know, that might explain why why some of his loan moves haven't quite worked through absolutely no fault of his own. I mean, he went to Ware and the season was stopped to COVID. He went to Carlisle and picked up a niggling injury. Um, but Mali's been talked about for years. I mean, Woody, Jonathan Woodgate couldn't, couldn't talk him up enough, both when he took charge and before that. Um, I remember the, the end of the season previous, Tony Pulis took him along as kind of like the 19th man, um, as, a, as the non-playing substitute, just to get him in and around the squad and get him that experience, because clearly they felt he was going to be knocking on the door. So I wasn't surprised what Mally said after Rotherham, that it's been a frustrating couple of years, because he's probably felt like he hasn't been far away for a few years now. So hopefully he'll kick on. Um, and Warnock said, hadn't he, a few times, mainly when he's been teed up and asked about Lewis Wing, that... Um, you know, the signs are that Wing would be allowed to move on in the summer. But he says, you never know, in the summer, there's always someone who comes in and and you've got in your mind what you're going to do and they come in and blow you away and change your mind. That might be the case for one of the kids as well. Warnock might be thinking now, one of the young lads, we need to get him out. They might look at him in the summer and think, you know what, he's ready. I mean, Coburn, no one could have predicted this, including him, of how this season's gone. At the start of the season, when he was playing for the under-18s, his logical next target and step would have been to, to get in the under-23 team. So to find yourself um, training with the first team, making a debut, a long-awaited debut as well, because Warnock's talked him up for a few weeks now and scoring a brilliant header. Um, it, it was yet another, and there's been so many of these over the years, just another occasion for the academy coaches and, and absolutely everyone involved with the academy to, to celebrate and give themselves a pat on the back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting argument, isn't it? I can kind of see both sides because, you know, fans naturally clamour for these young local lads to kind of come through and, and play in the in the first team. There's a there's a real sense of kind of excitement and pride when your academy lads come through and, and play for the first team. And, you know, I mean, we, we talked about being such a shame that fans haven't seen Yannick Balassi in person, but what a shame it was that there was no fans there on Saturday to, to, to be there and celebrate with Josh Cole when he scored that goal I mean it was already a really special moment when that header went in but imagine if fans were there that would have been such a special moment and you know I can understand the clamour that fans have um, and, and and in some cases frustration that Warnock seems to be kind of curbing it a little and you know he's, he's being a bit cautious with them and you know I think for some people they feel like he's, he's, he's maybe holding them back somewhat but I feel like it's it's more a protection thing from from Neil Warnock I think he he appreciates that they are still young and you know if he if he rushes them into the first team when they're not quite ready they're not quite experienced enough you know he knows better than anybody how challenging and how demanding the the championship can be and, and I think the fact that you know for for many of these players that he is looking to loan out um you know next season I think that says a lot about his, his aspirations for next season as well and his hopes for the summer because he is you know wanting to, to to sign players and make Middlesbrough a top two challenging championship side he, he does want that next season and he, he appreciates that 
uh, many of these players with a lack of championship experience as they have now aren't going to play regularly in a championship team that is aiming for the top two. And and so it's that dilemma, uh, which he, he had with Nathan Wood for most of this season. Do you keep them at Borough as, as backup? Because this season, Borough have been short of numbers and the, 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 you know, the, the depth in the squad has hurt them at times this season. Or do you get them out on loan and get them playing elsewhere? Because, you know, it's, it's not just playing as well when you go out on loan for these young lads that, you know, that, that builds them up and develops them. It's all the kind of things that come with a loan move. You know, you, you potentially move it. You're probably moving away from home for the first time, where you, you know, you maybe having to kind of fend for yourself, live in a flat, and and do all of that. So you're growing up, you know, uh, away from the pitch as well, and then you having to compete for your place in a team. You know, what I mean, I know you're sending these lads away to clubs in lower divisions. But that doesn't mean that those lads, that those teams that you send them to, don't have the same kind of aspirations or you know the same kind of expectations that Borough have in terms of wanting to win games. So they have to deal with that competition and they have to earn the place in the team and they have to try and iron out mistakes in the game, iron out creases uh, to make them more consistent. Which then means that they come back to Borough in in six or twelve months' time as a, as a more well-rounded and more complete player. And that's, uh, you know, as I say, when Warnock will then hope to to kind of start bedding them into Borough's first team. So I, I can understand the frustration. I can understand, you know, the clamour to see them. But I think, you know, there's also that longer term kind of view of, of how much a loan would benefit them. I mean, there's also Warnock's experience and I think he knows what he's doing. Um, but I can understand, like, I think any fan wants to see you know, their local lads or their, the, the kids breaking through. It's that kind of dream, isn't it? That Hollywood script, so to speak. You mentioned the fans there. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the League Cup final. And it was just nice uh, to see fans back in the stadium. I mean, Man City fans, I, I don't expect any Man City fans to be listening to this podcast. But I know for a fact it had been Borough fans in that way. And the celebrations might have been a bit more... Uh, rowdy, shall we say, still socially distanced, but they didn't look too happy winning the League Cup. But it was nice to see them back and nice to hear, hear you know, uh, authentic chanting and them singing their hearts out and stuff. It was just nice to have them back in the terraces. And you guys must be looking forward to seeing, you know, the Riverside, you know, just with some fans in and then hopefully in the not-too-distant future, it, it, it's full again. Yeah, I know I am in particular. Sorry, just to quickly jump in there, Tom. Yeah. Obviously, I started at the at the Gazette at the start of the season. So for me, uh, my only two previous, um, you know, uh, kind of experiences at the Riverside was one playing myself, uh, and there definitely wasn't any fans that night. And, oh, well uh, done. I haven't heard about this. Oh yes, I forgot about. It. So this was in the days where I was uh, I was working for Iceland. Um, uh, while I was at university, we had a little charity game at the Riverside. So, uh, well, I, tell you what, I big, can't believe big... you haven't mentioned this before now. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I'm surprised I haven't. But yeah, well, Big John's was in form that night. We had four two victors. <laughs> oh, I tell you, well, better Nelly well, eat your heart out. Were you a keeper? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> really? I, I, you, you wouldn't see me running up and down eleven a side pitch. I can barely do it on a five. Oh, I'd, have take, uh, I'd have taken your, uh, I'd have taken your analysis of Borough's goalkeeping more seriously if I'd have known you were a keeper yourself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so the, that was one experience of the Riverside, and then the other was um, was Sunderland's pre-season friendly uh, a year or two ago. That, that uh, of course. Funny. 
yeah 45 minutes and the, the weather caused it to be called off and so there was only limited supporters in that night where they played a pre-season friendly yeah so for me yeah i can't wait for supporters to be back because i've not experienced it my only experience was the bournemouth game where it was at 2000 in for that one and and even then when when marcus brown scored that late equalizer you know 2000 made one hell of a noise so i can't wait to hear uh you know fans fully back in the riverside it'll be great just so does that mean me. that you haven't? Just, sorry, there. Sorry, no. Does that mean yeah, that you yeah. haven't um, had like the the pre-match food and stuff, which leads us, as always, aren't there, with a nice little food chat? Are you missing that, Dom? Because I know it's Sunderland and over at Newcastle, St James's Park. You do get food. The journalists get food before uh, the match, and it's it's very nice at them two stadiums. So for those listening and Craig, who hasn't experienced that, I would imagine, what's it like pre-match usually? You know, outside of COVID times. Yeah, quality, absolutely quality. The the lasagna, and obviously the, the um, it's not been served at the minute because you go in and you go straight up to the stands and um, you know, bloody hell, we're, we're lucky to be there at the minute. You're not going to find us complaining that we're not getting the lasagna before the game. Um, because Borough, I should say, one of the few clubs that are still doing hot drinks, and that's such a treat in the uh, in the in the middle of the winter. Um, but yeah, the food at Borough is normally is normally absolutely quality. Um, it's just every like I've missed all I've missed just the whole like match day. I've missed being I've missed being stuck in traffic going to going to game. You know, it just seems weird driving to a game and the roads being absolutely dead. And even like you know, ordinarily you'd you'd rock up at the game what two and a half hours early, and you're in the press room and you you, you, you know the, you kind of knock the crack about and you you have a catch up. Whereas there's none of that. Um, but I mean the atmosphere, it's just so and the occasion. I think I think that's the thing. It's the sense of occasion at the game. You know, I, I, I know Craig's the same, count ourselves lucky at absolutely every game we're at, as do every journalist in the land at the minute. Um, and, and you know, I, I love the fact that you get to hear managers and, and the players shouting and all that sort of thing. And that that's kind of an opportunity afforded to so few. Um, but, it, but it's just a sense of occasion, the build-up, the, you know, the morning. Uh, the songs, the banners—it's—it's it's absolutely everything. And um, yeah, Craig was at the Bournemouth game when there was a thousand there. A few of my mates were there, and and the thing that they took was like just the noise that that was created by by a thousand when Marcus Brown came on and scored. And the Warnock's the same, obviously, because he wasn't at that game. Um, and he says it, and I and I absolutely believe him when he says that if if it was going to be another full season behind closed doors. He'd have found it difficult to motivate himself because he probably more than any manager bounces off both sets of fans, doesn't he? He lo- he loves he loves what he gets from the from the opposition fans. I mean, he was saying um, before the game on Saturday. I know it was at home, but one of his highlights of the season is going on Sheffield Wednesday, and I think he described it as walking down the gauntlet when when you get off the coach and walk into the into the ground from there, um, and, and going over to a little kid and say, you know, sorry that your dad's going to be in a mood tonight when I, when I do a job on, on your team type thing. So I think everyone, has, and the players, I mean, the players, because the buzz you get, obviously, Craig's obviously experienced that, haven't played at the Riverside, but me and you haven't, haven't experienced that buzz. Um, so the players, it must, it must drag. And I think it has benefited, um, I know I'm bouncing between points here. I think it has benefited a few players this season. I think Mark Bowler and Anthony Dykesteel are two examples of players who've probably benefited from finding the feet and now they look like the players that we that were signed. Um, but 
you know, the, even those those players that have made massive improvements this year, you just think with the fans behind them, um, they're going to make one. They're going to find find another level. Just quickly, Craig, when you're a keeper, do you do that thing where when you make a good save and the defenders come over to congratulate, you just kind of do pointing away and tell them to get marking for the corner? Oh, you, you've got to, haven't you? You, you? you know, like wipe your face with your glove to hide the, the cheesy smile. <laughs> Never forget. The net. Yeah, lo- lovely free kick was heading top corner. Definitely wasn't top corner because I wouldn't have reached it. But he got up there, palmed it out for a corner. It was a super save, I tell you. <laughs> I, I was going to say, quick, because I've seen you in five-a-side goals and you can't even get the top corner and they're half yeah. the size of the full goals. Yeah. On the I have played twice on St. James's Park. The first time... I did my hamstring running towards the leasers and one-on-one with the keeper as well. But I, then I returned six weeks later, scored a left foot, absolute rocket. There's a bit of debate whether it was a cross or not. It definitely wasn't. Top corner, Gallagher end, unbelievable scenes. So well, that's what cool. If anybody when, wants when I, it, drop us a DM. I'll show you it. No, no problem whatsoever. When when I was at um, uh, I was at Nunthorpe School and we won the, we won the county cup, so we went into like a national competition uh, where you play, like go through. And we, we our first game was at Gateshead Stadium, which was a massive occasion, year 10. I put us 1-0 up early on. And I can, honestly, I can still remember the goal as though it was yesterday. Anyway, we got beat 3-2. And turns out, one of the lads reminded me of this probably five or six years ago. He still got the programme. The lad who played up front for the, for the team we were playing was a right handful and he scored two goals. Andy Carroll. Yeah, Small so there you world. go. Yeah, so um, maybe the defenders who were uh, kicking themselves afterwards for getting the run around for 90 minutes that day probably uh, weren't so harsh on themselves when they found that out. And then the other thing was uh, on that subject, we had a teacher at school in PE, and for four years he told us he played for Villa. And um, we always, you know, I always thought he was, and it was only when I was in year 11 that he let it be known it was Eston Villa in the Teesside Five-A-Side League rather than Aston Villa in the Premier League, as I believe. Oh, he's had your life there. We are going to yeah. go on at strikers, but just on the mention of Andy Carroll, I don't know if Dom's seen it. I think Craig's going to know what I'm going to say. When Andy Carroll moved up here, there was a picture doing the rounds of him getting his house, uh, you know, all packed up. And there was a picture of the delivery the uh, the you know the delivery move by the guy, an unbelievable right, it spit and dabs of Craig Johns. I've never seen a picture like this. You remember it, too, Craig? <laughs> I don't I've got the photographs. So while we're speaking on the next point, I'll put it in the chat and then we'll talk about it at the end. Um, <laughs> it is special. It is. I might even put it on social media to go with the pod later. Um, well, we're going to talk now about strikers. And before we do start chucking some names into the hat, I know, Craig, you wrote up some quotes from Warnock about the, the, the feeling within the dressing room since Fletcher and Asambalonga have been told to hit the road. Do you want to just, for those who haven't read it, just, just explain about what Warnock said and then your, your take on it? Yeah, it was quite an interesting point. He kind of made, you know, without being questioned about it, really, after the uh, Sheffield Wednesday win. And he he just basically said he had to make some tough decisions in in the last week or so. Um, But he said he was glad he did that. Um, It it was obvious what he was referring to. And, uh, you know, he said the the place just, you know, he described it as a breath breath of fresh air. Um, And, um, yeah, I think, obviously, it's... uh, 
it's clear to see, you know, since uh, since those two players were were, were sent away, uh, Middlesbrough have won two games, and I think uh, he spoke before that after the QPR game about clicks in the dressing room and you know about you know certain players potentially down in tools a bit because they're out of contract and and so that's then given the opportunities to players like Conor Malley and to to Josh Corburn who, who naturally just have that bit more desire because you know the young players wanting to impress so uh so yeah I think it was uh there were interesting quotes, but uh, nothing that you wouldn't expect him to say. You know, the one two on the bounce. So yeah, I think I think it's interesting because um, you know it was it was clear that uh, what Warnock was alluding to. Although um, having having spoken to a couple of people over the course of the last week, um, you know, I'm, I'm told that you know Ash, Ashley Fletcher was was certainly not trouble in the dressing room, and that um, you know his, his teammates only had positive things to say about him and that uh, he, he kind of always um, uh, was always a popular figure in the dressing room um, like clearly things between Fletcher and the club um, kind of fell apart to the point where he wanted he got felt he had a better offer elsewhere and, and Borough were absolutely adamant that the offer that they made I think Warnock described it as fabulous last week that you know that that offer was was um you know, absolutely should have been accepted. So they've gone the separate ways. Um, we'll 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 see what comes of that. But yeah, as you say, Craig, it was interesting that Warnock and, and he did the same in BBC T's as well. He he brought that up himself. Um, you know, he he, he actually said a few times, hasn't he? I wish I'd have made that decision um a week or so earlier now. And uh, you know, he said the Assembalong, as we said last week, the Assemble bringing Assembalong was the straw that broke the camel's back, really. Um, but I I do think you know that. That bench, as we as we were talking about last week, you know, it's you, you want players who are going to be who are going to be desperate to get on and prove a point. And for Fletcher and Sombalonga, they both knew they were going elsewhere, and it's only human nature then that they go on and they're going to hold back a little bit, aren't they? Um, if if you're scared of getting that, you know, and I, I know they're getting, I know they're extremely handsomely paid, but as Warnock was saying last week, Joe Bennett at Cardiff off in the summer and he's um and he did his knee injury. Um so I, I think I think the last two two games, seeing Mally and Corburn come on, I mean they've been among the highlights of the season for me, coming on and seeing them take the chance like that. It's been fantastic and and hopefully Newton and Sheffield Wednesday will, will serve up something similar. In terms of the summer then and who's gonna come in, a few names have been linked, you know, Charlie Wyke uh, De Lap De Gea from Bristol, I think I pronounced that right. Um, eight goals this season for him, but he's not really featured of late. I mean, we'll start with with Wyke. He's been nominated for the League One Player of the Year. And look, Sunderland look like they're going to have to come up via the playoffs. But um, can, can Middlesbrough, would, would that be the right fit, Charlie Wyke, to come in? Um, I mean, it's one of them, isn't it, where it's, a, it's an obvious link. Uh, he's a T-sider. He's out of contract in the summer. He's had a he's had a brilliant season. I think he got 30 goals. He got 30 goals this week. Um, I've spoken to chat not this week, this season, this week. That'd be some week, wouldn't it, if he managed to score 30 in a couple of games? Um, you know, I've spoken to Charlie a few times uh, over recent seasons for, um, for for various features and stories. Um, and he's a he's a, a great lad, a, a real professional, and he'll be he'll be 
enjoy at the minute he'll just be focusing on getting Sunderland up and at the end of what has been a brilliant season. Um, he, he does look to tick the boxes when you look at the type of player he is. But I, but I think if and if you know we've had no I've had no steer on this, no guidance. Um, but if if he was to come in the summer, or if he's a target in the summer, I would imagine that there'll be it'll be alongside someone with a bit more proven championship pedigree. That's nothing against uh, Charlie, but obviously. Um, he's had a brilliant season this season in League One, and 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 he's worked his way back up, having left Borough as a kid. Um, but it would be a bit of a gamble to hang all of your hopes, given given where Borough have fallen short this year and in previous seasons. That it'd be a bit of a gamble to hang all your hopes on a lad who, who hasn't played at this level before. Um, as as for um, for Mara Diaudo, we pronounce his name different every time, I know, but uh, yeah, at Bristol City. Um, by all accounts, speaking to, to, to those at that end today, um, he's got plenty of offers. He, he was left out on Saturday against Luton and Nigel Pearson said that it was because of an injury, but he had trained all week. Um, he's only scored twice since January and they were against Borough, which is absolutely classic, typical, um, inevitable football world. Uh, and, and, you know, it looks increasingly like he's going to be off. Apparently he has got options in the championship and abroad but doesn't want to make his mind up until until the summer we'll see on that one that um picture's quality yeah we'll just put it, we'll put it on the screen obviously this is an audio podcast so we can't see it and i can't tell if having found this andy carroll picture that i was talking about was on his social media i can't tell whether craig's angry at me or not <laughs> what i mean when my missus saw this she was like why is craig standing with andy carroll and i was like no 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 it's not craig <laughs> the fact that Craig hasn't unmuted yet means you might yeah, be quite angry. I can definitely see the resemblance. That's what's worrying. But uh, <laughs> um, in terms of strikers, then we've we, we, do you see? First of all, Craig, how many do Borough need to bring in? And is it a case that will bring save you? Well, save you say two. Will it be one permanent and one on loan? Will it be you know maybe someone who's not got that Premier League experience, but is at a Premier League club, so so they're sending someone out like Delap, for instance, out on loan to get that experience. I think it'll, it'll purely depend on on kind of what's available and and, and what the fancy taking. Really, I mean, uh, I think as you say, two is probably the number that they're, they're going to look for. I think they've got they've got Akpom there, and they've got uh, what more and and potentially slash hopefully Yannick Balassi are two players who can cover up front but aren't natural centre forwards. So I think ideally you want you want three on the books, and you've got you've got Akpom there. So so I think two is what ideally they'll be looking for, and and as we see you know it, it, I think it'll depend on what's available you look at you know the the three strikers that have that have been linked the two Dom Dom's spoken about and then there's Liam Delap the the young 18 year old kid at, at Man City who would be a loan signing I think loan signings tend to happen a bit later on in the winter and ideally Borough want to get things done quickly now obviously you Charlie White and you and you Dijau or however we're pronouncing the the Bristol City strikers name uh, we'll have to get that one in the bag if he does sign, but um, but yeah, you know they're free signings from from July first. They're going to be free to sign for whichever club they want, presuming they don't extend the contracts at the clubs that they're at currently. So so they're strikers who they are going to be able to get in early. And and as Dom says, I, I kind of agree with the point that I think you know. Charlie White is probably a calculated risk. It's one that makes sense. He has the kind of attributes that Neil Warnock wants. 
but he ha- he hasn't got championship experience, and and therefore you know you probably want somebody with a bit of championship experience as well, which is where Famara Dijer would, would would come in, um, and and you know and then you work across your targets. I don't for a, a second believe that that Middlesbrough would be as as kind of careless as to say those are the two strikers we want this summer and completely dismiss everybody else. I think they'll have a good maybe you know five, six, seven potential names on the list uh, and, and you know they'll they'll probably then kind of put them in some kind of order and, and work through that order and ideally they'll get one and two but you know it doesn't always work out that way I think you're in the kind of market that Borough are in just about every striker that they'll be looking at will have interest from elsewhere you know that's that's what we're seeing with reports in the in the last couple of days with with white and delap if borough aren't the only clubs linked with them and, and it's it's obvious to say why uh so yeah it's going to be a case of you know maybe a little patience in some cases and saying what's available but i think definitely the need to it's it's scary when you see reports about adam armstrong linked to west ham for at least 25 million so it shows the kind of money going around in the championship, let alone in the Premier League, to bring in a, a proper quality championship striker. Dom, do we have any word on potentially what the transfer pot might look like come the summer? I mean, Warnock's made it absolutely clear that he won't go knocking um, knocking, and, and demanding money. I mean, obviously, uh, there is going to be a little bit of wriggle room will have been created by the exit of Fletcher and Asombolonga, but... Um, I think Warnock will look to be shrewd and sensible and, um, you know, I, he, Steve Gibson will back Warnock as as, absolute, as as absolutely as much as he can, as as we've seen with previous managers. And as Warnock says, you know, Warnock said only a couple of weeks ago that uh, I speak to Steve regularly. He knows exactly what I want to do and, and, he, and he supports me with that. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, we, it, it's, we know that we're around going to go and throw stupid money about. But, I, you know... What championship club are this summer? Um, you know, you have to look at Brentford. They got Ivan Tony for what ten million pounds last summer, which which is looks like a snip now, ridiculously. If he if they don't go up and he was to go, I mean, what would he go for this summer? Um, that's that's kind of the, the ballpark at the top end of the championship, isn't it? But I think Warnock will know. I mean, the, the recruitment team and Warnock and, and the coaching staff of of met regularly over recent weeks he'll know exactly what they want what type of player they want who's potentially available um and and as one of keeps talking about he, he wants to get off to a quick start he wants players in place for when they go to cornwall in july because um he, he wants to work with his squad for the for the bulk of the summer rather than uh working with half his squad and then adding players in fits and starts so um a lot of work will be will be underway now and will have been for, for a number of weeks. You've got to get them in for that famous barbecue, hasn't he? That's what he's he's doing. That's exactly it. Um, yeah, it'd be classic if the club Facebook streamed live to that, wouldn't it? From from Cornwall on a Sunday night, it'd be like um, it'd be like the Dickens roof all over again when Borough uh, when Borough players celebrated on the Dickens roof when they won promotion a couple of years back. Sure, it'll be very popular to watch uh, to watch Warnock with his penny on flipping the, the burgers and what have you. Um on to Luton then this weekend. Who's going down? I'm there Saturday. Got the long trip to Kenilworth Road. I stayed there last year and uh, to say I had a room with a view would be a bit of an overstatement. It was the 
at first I thought it was a balcony when I went into the room, but then I realised it was the roof of the Shell garage just out the front of the room out the, of the Premier Inn. Um, so I'm, I'm doing it in a day this time. I'm not staying, thankfully. Oh, in a day. So that means one of our favourite topic of the week. Oh, Where, are gonna stop? Where are you going to stop? You know I know, what? your coffee or you? Luton, I haven't even thought about it yet. Which way do you go to Luton? I'll have to get my service station cap on. Sure, it's just what? A1, M1, and then... then yeah, I can see me setting off about half seven, so it'll be about an 11 o'clock stop. Actually, no, it'll be about quarter to 11, just before Colin Murray's fighting talk on Five Live. Um, Sorry, don't they... mention other audio streams. You know, this is the only one people need to listen to. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you, sorry about know. that. Um, so I reckon it'll just be a bit of a brunch-type stop. Won't be a Nando's. You know, if there's a Nando's, like there is a lead services, I won't be... I won't be having that. I won't be having that stop off. I was so glad because I was. I just had a little bet to myself. Will he mention lead services? And I know our viewers were not going to be disappointed. That is now the fourth episode in a row. I believe you've mentioned it. Look, if Nando's are out there and they want to hire something in, you know where we are. I tell you what else I've seen there as well. I've never had one of these. Is it Leon or Neon Burger or Leon Burger or something? <laughs> Neon. Have you seen that place? Let us have a quick look. This is this um, is the content people come from. While Dom's doing that, Craig, how I mean, Saturday, Luton, but nothing to play for. Luton safe, Middlesbrough. Obviously, yeah, you want to finish as high up as possible in the league. But is it a case again of just giving maybe some of the youngsters a run out and just again just prepping for the beginning of next season and just maybe laying those foundations down for for what's to come next year. Yeah, I think I'd I'd like to say that personally. I think of the two games. I mean, I think Wickham are probably going to be relegated when they come to the Riverside a week on Saturday. Uh, they've got you know two games to go, six points adrift, and I think it's a a 13, uh, 13 goal difference to make up on Derby County if they were to steal. So and, and then they play Bournemouth this this weekend. So you know, I think it would be a big shock if there was still something on the line for Wickham when they come to the Riverside in a week. But nevertheless, Warner can't take that uh you know, Warner can't see into the future. And so I think therefore that makes um Luton the most ideal opportunity if it, opportunity if he is going to give these youngsters a game uh, because as we mentioned earlier with the whole West Ham Sheffield United situation if there is anything on that last game he's not going to play anything that isn't his strongest team in that game just because of what's happened to him in the past so I think there'll probably still be a little bit of caution for him will he want to throw them in at Luton um, will uh, you know? Will they be able to stand up with the physical test that Luton will obviously offer? Um, you know, I think it's also the pressures as well. If he throws them in, to fans then start to expect too much of them. When realistically, even if they play against Luton, the plan will still stay the same and will be for them to go out on loan. So I think those are the kind of things which Warnock will be thinking about ahead of the game. But for me personally, I think you know there is nothing at stake, and even if it is not about nothing but experience, it's still good for them, even if it doesn't truly benefit Borough until six or 12 months down the line. They still go out on loan in the summer and get that experience, but they've had an experience of playing a really tough championship game against a really tough championship team. So um, so for me, I think, yeah, throw a couple of them in, particularly Mali and Corbett, I think 
those two in particular have done enough uh, and, and possibly saw Bruno, who he's mentioned he wants to give a game to in goal. I think those three uh, are certainly deserving of, of a start, if, if not, you know, extended minutes on the pitch in that game. Uh, that's personally what I'd like to say at Lewin. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I completely agree, but I still think he'll start um, a team similar to like the one that started last week and, and, and look to bring Mali or Colburn on um, rather than pushing and expect too much too soon. And hopefully we get to see a bit more of them and, and maybe one or two of the other kids as well if the game if the game um, presents uh, one up with the opportunity. Um, I, I guess going to Luton just kind of hits home as to how much things have changed because it was there, but obviously last time Borough were there, it was the first day of last season when Jonathan Woodgate's first game in charge, the three-three draw, and um, it, it's a good, it's a good away end at Kenilworth Road, you know, proper old school ground, and the away fans are packed in behind. It's another one of those where you just wish, you just wish there was fans there. Um, but I, I think Borough played well the last couple of games. They've played with a bit of a freedom, haven't they? I think, and um, Luton have had a great season, really good season, kicked on and established themselves. I think it'll be an entertaining game with with goals in. I'm not, I'm not sure it'll be a repeat of the three three draw from last last season, but but I think maybe another score draw. Go on then, here's your score prediction. Uh, I'll go one one. Craig, and that's it. I'm not adding anything. Just wait for wait for Craig to come in. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the two one Borough and Josh Coburn to get the winner. Yeah, we have it. And just to wrap up then, Dom, come on. What did your Google search bring up? Yeah, I got it wrong. Um, I'll tell you what, it looks all right. It's Leon. I was right. It's not burgers. How about this for a little menu? Um, Sri Lankan sweet potato, coconut and pineapple curry. For breakfast. Couldn't be further away from a burger. This sounds quality, this for breakfast. Peach and raspberry summer porridge with activated almond milk. Would you need to press a button or something to ask me? <laughs> and then the drinks, um, white tea and peach, fresh lemonade. Again, I'm not sure. It's certainly more southern, I think, than than northern. Um, Sounds grilled, complicated. Grilled halloumi wrap, the fish finger wrap. I bet it's about eight quid that fish finger wrap, won't it? It'd be two fish fingers in a slice of bread with a bit of lettuce. Um. But yeah, I tell you what, if there is a Leon, next time I pass Leeds Services, I think I might slide in and get one. There we go. You've got an obsession with this Leeds Services, like. I think we need to get him a T-shirt, Craig, which says, I've been to, Le- to Leeds Services. He'd absolutely love it. I'm just double-checking there actually is one there. Oh, God, yeah, we can. We're going to wrap this up now. Because yeah, it's not that important. People have had, had their service uh, fix for this week. We know you guys do like it. Dom, Craig, thank you for joining me as per usual. Head over to Teesside Live for all the latest Borough news. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast.